Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 1 through 9, the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verse 11 through 14, the gospel according to Mark, chapter 12, verse 28 through 34, and Psalm 119, verse 1 through 8. Open our minds, warm our hearts, but also bend our wills, for we seek to hear your word. Amen. The other night, in the middle of the night, the door to my room cracked open ever so slightly with a creak. In that moment, I felt the air change. A cool breeze blew over my foot that was hanging out just over the edge, a dangerous place. And I got that frightening feeling that something was close that shouldn't be there. The cool air turned into a warm breath right near my face, and the shrill little voice cut through the silence and said, Mommy, I'm scared. I scooped up the tiny human and brought him into my arms where he knew that he was safe. And soon he fell back to sleep right there in the dark, the thing he was afraid of. The ancient Greek philosopher Plato is known to have acknowledged that we can easily forgive a child that is afraid of the dark. The real tragedy of life is when men are afraid of the light. This morning on the Feast of All Hallows' Eve, we're going to talk about fear and death and ghosts. Oh my. This morning, we're going to approach that deep sense of existential dread, the same one that was so visible on the faces of Dorothy and her companions in The Wizard of Oz. Remember how they shuddered and cried and clung to each other? And clung to the idea that if they were just strong enough, they could protect themselves, that they could put up a fight. If you haven't seen the original classic, I'm giving you homework tonight. (laughs) I think you'll find that this film has something very profound to say about a loving God and about loving God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Especially when the main characters are looking for courage and a home, and a heart, and a brain. Also, there are witches, which I will get to in a moment. But right now, if you would, please take out a pen or pencil. You may have to dig in your purse or look in the little slot in front of you. If you don't have a pen or pencil, it's okay. You can remember one thing, I think, in your head 
for a few moments. But if you do have a pen, I want you to take it out and in the margin of your bulletin, preferably next to the gospel reading, I want you to write down something that scares you. Something of which you are truly afraid. Got it? Hold on to that for a moment. Somebody out there probably wrote down COVID or cancer or death. Someone out there probably wrote down divorce or disability or drugs. When I did this myself at home, I wrote down being alone. Being alone, something I fear more than death, apparently. I think it's important for us on occasion to sit in our fear for a moment so that we can really see it. Look at that fear and then ask yourself, why am I afraid of this? Why does this have power over me? Nine times out of ten, they say, the thing that we fear most are things that we actually know very little about. We sometimes even fear things that we have never actually experienced in this lifetime. Or, if we have experienced it before, we have only seen the negative side of that. Of that that thing, that person. Like death, we see it actually around us every day, but we choose only to associate it with that tragic car accident that happened to our friend when we were young people. We don't often think of it as the seeds that are falling from the trees right now, going into the earth and dying. That too is death. We often fear the thing that we know very little about or the idea that everything about that thing or that person or that group of people is actually just that acute, finite little experience that we have that centers around everything we know about it. Spiders, for example. Never once have I been bitten by a deadly, venomous spider. But the fear of it, it makes me focus on the possibility of which it's like a million in one chance here in central Ohio, that that spider could bite me. And I acknowledge that that fear is the thing that it is, rather than acknowledging the spider's place in this intricate web of the ecosystem. In my fear, I forget that I also do not enjoy mosquitoes. 
Very rarely will an entomologist write down spiders as the thing that they fear, or a race car driver write down speed. We don't fear the thing that we know, that we study, that we hold on to. No, fear is the product of unknown, of the thing unstudied, unexperienced. We fear the things that we do not understand. Allow me to shed some light on a spooky Halloween phrase that has been deeply misunderstood. You all have heard the term hocus pocus, right? Hocus pocus. This phrase is most commonly associated with magic and witches and bubbling cauldrons filled with mysterious liquids, right? Did you know that this phrase, hocus pocus, is actually just a misunderstood pronunciation of our Eucharistic prayer? Allow me to explain. Hundreds of years ago, and still in some places today, when the Mass of our liturgy was said exclusively in Latin, the priest would go to the prayer and say, hoc est corpus meum, meaning this is my body. Hoc est corpus meum. And the wonder and unexplainable nature of transubstantiation, of turning bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ, it led so many people to associate this prayer with something magical happening. And then the people who didn't experience it but had heard about it said, oh, that's those words they say when they do that magic thing, hocus pocus. After all, something magical and transcendent was happening in that moment, something they did not fully understand, something we don't fully understand. And years later, as it goes, it came to be associated with a phrase that reminds us of witches and dark magic, and misunderstanding gave way to fear of the unknown. But we, who know the true meaning of this phrase, we know that its meaning and its intention is actually an act of love. Not something to be feared, but something to be exalted and praised. It might seem a little strange to be talking about fear on a day when the gospel reading is all about love. Love. But actually, I find it the most appropriate time to talk about fear because fear is actually the opposite of love. Most people think it's hate. But hate is just a symptom of fear. We hate the thing we do not understand. The thing we do not know, the thing we do not study, the thing we are not in relationship with. Because if we truly knew that thing or that person or those people, 
we would not fear. We would not hate. We would see that piece of creation as created by our one true God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is the only Lord. Everything created and beloved by the Creator. A word about witches, because I would regret if I did not acknowledge them. Most people who were called witches were also just children of God, like you and me. Most of them were feared because they were not afraid to approach the spiritual realm, that great cloud of witnesses that surround us here on earth as it is in heaven. Y'all, a couple of hundred years ago, women like me, who were interested in divine things, were captured, tortured, and burned at the stake for using essential oils and practicing midwifery. It didn't hurt that they also owned land. No joke. If you don't know about the Salem witch trials, I'm happy to discuss it over coffee or lend you a book. The point is, the fear and the control of the economic system, the symptoms of fear, the hate that boiled up in that community has the power to destroy even good things, good things that are misunderstood. Fear has the power to disrupt and destroy the creatures of God. We know this from our baptismal covenant. With All Hallows' Eve approaching us at sundown, I encourage you all to embrace that thing that you are afraid of. That thing you wrote in your mind or wrote on your bulletin, I want you to look at it, sit with it, learn from it, know its positive counterpart, for today we seek to replace fear with love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We are given just these two commandments. On them hang all the law and all the prophets. Everything can be summarized into these two commandments, love God, love neighbor. But how can we do that if we are afraid? For an example of how to counter fear with love, we look to the saints. That great cloud of witnesses we remember this time of year. People who faced the unknown with a fervor for life and for the truth of the gospel, who stood against danger and misunderstanding and spoke out the words of their Savior, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not 
overcome it. The gospel writer continues, though the problem is God knows that the people love the darkness rather than the light. God knew that we would choose fear and hate and misunderstanding time and time again. And that is why we were given the great commandment. That's why we read it over and over and over again. It's why we hear it in church nearly every Sunday. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is the only Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Again and again, reminded that love is paramount in God's plan of salvation for all creation. Sometimes we fear looking at the saints because we're afraid we won't measure up. We won't. They are our example of how to try to do this love thing right. Acknowledge their presence. Remember their virtues, their examples of godly living. They will help us to lay down fear and replace it with love. Know that they are there, truly there their spirit and their witness, there always for us to see if we will just open our eyes. That little boy, Arlo, who snuck into my room that night in a place where he shouldn't be, asked me this week on the way to school, Mommy, are ghosts real? And I said, of course ghosts are real. He said, well, my teacher said ghosts are not real. And I think she's afraid of them. And I said, well, tell her that not all ghosts are scary and a lot of ghosts are there present with us to help us in times of need, to give us inspiration for how to live the gospel. Ghosts are real and they are good. And I said, there's one ghost in particular that is the best of them all. Do you know who it is? He did. The Holy Ghost. She's there, present for us anytime we look for her. The Holy Ghost is hanging around. She's got some unfinished business. Amen.